take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 5 and verse 30. John chapter 5 and verse 30, as we have a fairly lengthy passage this morning. Many times it's just three or four verses. This time it's verses 30 through 47 that we will be looking at. And I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is still building his case for his deity, for his messiahship, for him being who he said that he is. Uh, He has done some signs already, some miracles already. He has done a little teaching, not as much as he's going to do in the the passages to come as he gets into chapter 6 through 10 particularly. But in this passage, he is expressing why they ought to believe that he is who he says he is. He's basically treating this almost like there's a court of law being involved here. Uh, if you were to go into a court of law you would ex- and be accused of something, you would be expected to have some witnesses who would say, no, he didn't do that or she didn't do that and here's why. Or if you were prosecuting someone, you would expect to have some witnesses to say, he or she did this and, and here are the witnesses that saw them do it or or have proof that they have done it, but in some way a witness would be called to say either guilty or not guilty. And any good lawyer going into a a case would be prepared to have their witnesses in place and ready to testify. If you don't believe me, just watch some old episodes of Perry Mason. He'll make it very clear to you without a doubt. Not sure how accurate that is, but there they are. But but what Jesus is doing here is he's saying there are witnesses to whom I am. Some of these witnesses are contemporary. Some of these witnesses you have heard and seen with their own eyes and ears, he says to these to whom he's speaking. Some are older than that. Some you've heard about for years, but maybe you don't realize what they were talking about in pointing to me. And and later in this book, he's even going to say some of the witnesses are those who will speak in the future about me, not necessarily right now. Uh, there's, a, there's a sevenfold witness in the Gospel of John to who Jesus Christ is. He only deals with five of them here, but there are two more. I'll mention those at the end perhaps, and, and we'll get those when we get to them. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord as Jesus says, here's my evidence. Here's my case that I'm making for who I am. He starts out in verse 30 by saying, I can do, any, I can, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 31, important. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Well, that is a, that is a bold statement. That is, a, that is an important statement. Don't miss what what, what Jesus is saying here, if I'm the only one telling you that I am the Son of God, then I'm probably not telling you the truth. I'm lying to you. Just last week, in our own world, and he spent a lot of time in this country, a, 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 a pastor, preacher, quote, prophet, died. His name was Reverend Sun Young Moon. Now, some of you younger folks don't have any idea who Sung Young Moon is because Sung Young Moon, it's kind of dropped from the scene uh, as being out front in years gone by. But, but when, I was, when I was in college, Sung Sun Young Moon was, was the hit, was the rage. 
even on my college campus, the University of Alabama. There were moonies everywhere going around shaking their tambourines and holding out their cups for donations uh, to go to the Unification Church that was going to bring all religions, every religion on all the earth together in one great religion, the Unification Church, and it was led by Reverend Sung Young Moon, who boldly stood and said, I am the new Messiah. I am the new Christ. I wish Sung Young Moon had understood this principle that Jesus is saying here. If I am the only one saying that, then I'm not telling you the truth. A lot of people followed him. A lot of people believed. It became a multi-billion dollar church, organization, corporation based on one fact of him saying, I am the new Messiah, follow me. And I'm going to bring all religions together under me and unify it all, and we'll have one great unified church. He died in his 90s, and he died a very wealthy man, but a very deceived man who deceived millions of people. Jesus says, I want you to know that if, I, if I'm the only one saying this, if I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. But he goes on. There is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. You have sent John, and he has testified in the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man, But I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. And understand, Jesus says John the Baptist was a lamp. He wasn't the light himself. He had a light within him, but his light, his lamphood, was to burn and show the light of Christ. He was a lamp, and he testified to me. Verse 36. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them, that is in the Scriptures, you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name. And you do not receive me. If if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Many people running around in that time saying, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior. And many people following after them, and many of them Jewish people who had the law, who had an understanding, and they followed them and said, oh, maybe this is the one. But they wouldn't listen to Jesus. You follow after them. You go chasing after them. Jesus says, how can you believe? How can you believe when you receive glory from one another 
and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope, indeed all your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? This is the word of the Lord. Jesus, in talking to these people, in, in garnering these witnesses around him, says, I want you to understand that I'm not just coming on the scene making some kind of bold claim because I want you to think I'm something great. It's not about that. What I am about is having been sent from the Father. What I am about is having come with a mission. What I am about is having come into the world with a purpose that is not my own purpose even, because I do the will of the Father. I do the will of Him who sent me. I have come into the world to show you what God has been saying to you for generation after generation after generation. And at times there's been a glimmer of hope. At times there's been a glimmer or a spark of hope that maybe you're listening to what God has said. But in these days, with the coming of the full revelation of God through His only Son in the incarnation, you are showing yourself that you don't want to listen to God. You want to be glorified and listen to men. You want to be tickled in your ears. You want to be led astray happily so that you'll be happy in this life, but never understand what the ultimate results are. Never understand what the ultimate consequences are to following after a false prophet instead of the true one that God has sent into the world. He says, first of all, a witness came just before me. His name was John. He was like a voice crying in the wilderness saying, make way, make way for the Lord. Make way and make ready the way of the Lord. He was not the Messiah. They asked John, are you the Messiah? He said, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm one who's coming before him to speak truth, to prepare for him to come, to declare to you that he's coming. And John did exactly that. He did it in such a way that that it upset the people greatly. Upset the people in such a way that, that Herod had him arrested, taken to prison, put in a dungeon, and ultimately beheaded, and literally his head served up on a silver platter for his wife. John suffered because he would not relinquish his, his mission. He would not relinquish the truth. He said, I'm coming, and I'm pointing to you, to that one who came up out of the river Jordan after being baptized by me, and that I said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the one who has come from the Father, the very Lamb of God that all these other lambs on the altar have pointed to and spoken of for all these generations. He is the one. John said, I'm testifying to you that this one is from God, from the Father. He is from the one true and living God. We looked at the testimony of John a bit already in this, in this book, in our study, when Jesus said, there's the one who came before me. And John said, the one that comes after me is greater than me because he existed before me, the pre-incarnate existence of Jesus Christ. And John testified that he is the one that you ought to listen to. Jesus said, but it, it's not just John that's making the testimony. He says, you ought to also look at my works in verse 36. He said, the testimony which I give is greater than the testimony of John. 
For the works or the signs or the miracles which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me and, the, and that the Father has sent me. Jesus said, I want you to understand, these miracles are not just to wow you. These miracles are not just to, to make blind people see. That's a nice aside for the blind person. These miracles are not just so that those who are crippled can pick up their mats and walk again or or can do things they could never have done because of their infirmity, because of their illness, because of their sickness. These miracles are not just given so that those people can benefit, although they do benefit. These miracles are given to point to me. These are signs. These are marks. John loves that word sign all through his book, and we'll see that coming up time and time again. These are signs. These are things that point to who he is. And so when he, when he, next week we'll look at him feeding 5,000. When he feeds 5,000 people and they're all excited about being fed and having their bellies filled, he will say to them, but I want you to understand, I am the bread of life. The bread you just ate out here on the riverside, on the banks of the, of the sea, those, that bread is a very temporary bread, and it will sustain you for a very short time, but I'm the bread of life. Or, or he heals a blind man and says, says, you know, you can see again, and for the first time he sees light, and Jesus turns around and says, but I am the light of the world, and you who believe in me will never walk in darkness. I mean, every miracle we will see every sign throughout this book always has an underlying message that is far more important than the miracle itself. And John says, I want you to know that these miracles, these works are works that the Father has given me to accomplish. They're not just my works. I'm not a magician. I'm not some kind of wonder worker that just wants to dazzle you and get your attention. I am doing the works that God has given me to do. If you go back to Isaiah, you find out that the real mark of the Messiah when he comes will be that he gives sight to the blind. Nobody else did that. Others might do some other things that look pretty neat, and Satan might even counterfeit some of his miracles or some some things that look like miracles. But he said, I want you to know the Messiah is the one who will give sight to the blind. So Jesus said, John the Baptist came, and he spoke of me, and he pointed to me, and he said, I'm the one coming. I, I, I really wanted to put up, and I've, I've got to do that one of these days. I talk about it every time I talk about John. But that picture, that painting from Grunwald's altarpiece, uh, painted hundreds of years ago, where he has John the Baptist standing off to the side of the cross, and he's pointing with his bony finger, and it's about that long, it looks like. And he's pointing, and in his hand he's holding the Scriptures that, that simply say, I must... That he must increase, I must decrease, and he's pointing to Jesus and basically saying, that's who I'm talking about, and that's why he came. John the Baptist and the miracles, the miracles of raising Lazarus, the miracle, the final miracle that has never been refuted by any man of his own resurrection that we will get to eventually in this study. But Jesus says, here are my first two witnesses, John the Baptist and the miracles. Then he says, here's the third one. It's the witness of the Father. And and the Father who sent me, he has testified of me, but you've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You've never seen the Father. And you don't even listen to the Father when he's spoken to you. How has he spoken to you? In his word. He'll use that as another witness in a moment. He said, the Father's been speaking. 
through John, through me, through the works. The Father is speaking, but you don't hear his voice. You don't listen to him. And the reason is you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him who he has sent. The implication there is, is if you believe in Jesus, there is a prerequisite for having his word, God's word, abiding in you. It's a work of the Spirit. It's a work of God's Holy Spirit that plants His Word, plants that seed within your life. And and, and because of His Word, your desire to know the truth of God, you see that Christ really is the Messiah, the witness of the Father. Now, the witness of the Father is in John. The witness of the Father is in the miracles. And the witness of the the Father is, is in everything the Father said throughout all the generations. That, that's why Jesus immediately goes to the, to the next witness, John, the miracle, the Father. Then he goes to the Scripture. He says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is these that testify about me. And you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. He says, you look at the Scriptures, and, and the, the, the rabbis and the, and the religious leaders all did. They said, oh, we have the Torah we, we have the law, we, we, have the, uh, we have the prophets, we have the wisdom literature, and we are searching these diligently because we want to find, find eternal life within those words. And, and Jesus says, you, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And, and then he says, and these are the ones that testify of me. In other words, he's saying it's a noble thing you do, but you never come to the real understanding, the real implication, the real explicit teaching of the Scriptures that you are seeking, that they belong and they are from the Father, and it's the Father speaking and testifying of me. There, there is no eternal life in the Scriptures apart from Jesus Christ. But all of the Scriptures... From the time of the beginning, from in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, all of the scriptures from that point on are, are have one, one central theme. And if you, if you take time to look at it, you'll see it. That their one central theme is pointing toward Christ, pointing toward, pointing toward Jesus, pointing toward his coming and his Messiahship, his Lordship, his deity, his being the incarnate. Son of God in the flesh. He said, but you, you won't come to me. You're unwilling to come to me. You, you, you don't want to come to me. You don't want to believe what the Scripture has said. I don't receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. It's an amazing statement. You have the love of God in yourselves because you will not see what the Scriptures are clearly pointing to. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes of his own, in his own name, you receive him. In other words, if he comes and says by himself, I'm, who, I'm the Christ, I'm a Messiah, go traipsing after him. But I come in the Father's name. How can you believe when you see, receive glory from one another rather than from the Father, and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only, the true and the living God. John came and told you. 
My miracles testify to it. And when I do the miracles, you want to kill me. You want to run me out of town. My father has testified for generation after generation in the Scriptures as the fourth witness, the fourth testifier to the truth, the, the Scriptures themselves. And then he draws one particular person out of the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, and he says, Moses, if you believed Moses, you would, believe, you would believe me because Moses was pointing to me. That's an amazing thing because all of those people said, we are standing on the firm foundation of Moses' law, of Moses' words. We are we are disciples, if you will, of Moses. Why we believe, why Jesus comes along and they, they accuse him. You're trying to tear down the law of Moses. You're trying to turn us away from our father Moses. And Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. He said, even Moses testifies of me. And, and he says in verse 45, he said, do not think that I'm going to accuse you before the father. Now, that's an interesting statement. I'm not going to accuse you before the father. Tell you who's going to accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set all your hope. I tell you what, that made some folks really mad. Because they would have said, yes, we've set our hope in Moses. There's no doubt about that. Moses and his word, Moses and his law, those five books of the of the Old Testament that we call them, the, the, books of, the books of Moses. That's where we put our hope and our trust and everything. And, and we follow his law, even as we've added to it some, but we follow it as best we can. Our hope is in Moses. And Jesus says, well, I just want you to know, when you stand before the Father, Moses is going to be the one that's going to accuse you of not trusting in me. How could that be? I think Paul gives us a little insight into that, a little understanding of that in Romans. When he said, listen, by the law, by Moses' law, no man is justified in the sight of God. But by the law, no man is made right with God. By, by the word of Moses, no man anywhere at any time is made right with God. The law is an accuser. The law is saying, this is what you cannot do. This is what you cannot live up to. This is where you fail. And so when you stand before God and say, well, I'm just trusting in, and, and my hope is in what Moses had to say, Moses is going to say, and boy, did you blow it. You should have listened to the one that I spoke of. Where in the world did Moses ever speak of Jesus? Well, in the passage Todd read this morning out of Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter, uh, chapter 18, when he said in verse 15, he said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, and you shall listen to him. All through Israel's history, they look for another, uh, another prophet like Moses. The prophets came on the scene and they would, <laughs> they would just kill them or persecute them. Never lived up. Because they always said things they didn't want to hear. 
and so did Jesus. But Moses is saying, listen, I'm talking about one that is yet to come. I'm talking about one that will bring the full word of God. I'm talking about one that will be a prophet. He'll be like me in that he will bring you the word of God, but he will bring you far more than that. And all through the writings of Moses and David and, and the prophets, they're all pointing to the fact that, yes, there is one coming. And there will be witnesses that will be amassed to him. And you are to hear him. Moses wrote about me. Moses spoke of me. So that's why it's so important that in our day we understand that the attack upon the Scriptures, especially the Old Testament Scriptures, especially the the first five books of the Old Testament, the the books of Moses, that, that we live in a day where there's all sorts of attack upon them. Oh, yeah, you can't believe that. I mean, that's, that's all old stuff. Don't worry about that. It's all about the New Testament, all about Jesus. Don't worry about what the Old Testament says. I want you to know Jesus says the Old Testament is vital. The Old Testament is the Word of God that is pointing to me, and you need to understand it, and you need to understand what Moses had to say because he was pointing to me. He was testifying of me, and he's a major witness in this whole courtroom drama. He's a major witness as to me being who I say that I am. So hear him, listen to him, believe what he has to say, because if your trust and your hope is in Moses, you're going to be real disappointed because Moses is going to accuse you before the Father, not me. But you won't hear me. You set your mind on other things. You won't listen to what I have to say. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Five witnesses he deals with here. The witness of John the Baptist, the witness of the miracles, the witness of the Father, the witness of the Scripture, and the witness of John. Excuse me, the witness of Moses. Later in this same book, he's going to give you two more. And I'm not good, It's not important now to look at them. Just remember that in John 16, verses 13 through 15, he's going to say, when I leave, the Spirit of truth is going to come, and the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All the things things that the Father has are mine, therefore... I said that he, that is the Holy Spirit, takes of mine and will disclose it to you. There's a sixth witness, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus sent into the world after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, and after his ascension to the right hand of the Father. And the Spirit comes and bears witness to the truth. What is the truth? That Jesus Christ was the the Son of God who died in our place. Take that down who died in our place, I just wanted John, not the whole thing, who died in our place and who rose from the dead and who lives forevermore. And then the seventh witness of this sevenfold witness is in verse 20 of chapter 17. He says, As he's praying for his disciples, he said, I don't ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. The seventh part of the witness to Christ is you and me. 
you and me, who have heard the witness of the Scriptures, who have heard the witness of John, who have heard the witness of the Father, who have heard the witness of the Holy Spirit calling us to Himself, calling us to Christ, and who now go forth and say, yes, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ really is who He said He was because He has saved my life. He has has changed my life. He is Messiah in my life. And He is who He said that he is. Jesus says, I want you to understand. I want you to understand clearly that I'm not just on the scene to tell you something about who I am, but I bring with me witnesses that point to that. And and don't just take my word for it, he says. Don't don't just think that because I said it, it, it's, it's right. It is because he does make that claim himself, and he's one of his own, he's a witness to himself, but he's a witness to himself based on all these other witnesses. We live in a day of, we're told, of pluralism. We live in a day where there are all sorts of religions and all sorts of messiahs and all sorts of different things. And and some will come along and say, you know, it's fairly arrogant of you to say that Jesus is the only way. It's it's fairly narrow-minded and bigoted for you to say that Jesus is the very Son of God. He is the living and true God incarnate in the flesh, living among us. That's pretty narrow-minded. We got all these religions out here. I remember back when I was in college having someone tell me that, you know, the way I understand religion is this. Every religion is like a blind man. You've probably heard this. It's like a blind man who comes upon the elephant. And they go to different parts of the elephant, and one reaches up and grabs his tail and says, oh, the elephant is like a rope because it's, it's, it's strong and it's easy to hold on to, and it could pull me wherever it wants to pull me. And another who, who happened to stumble upon a leg said, no, no, you understand, the elephant is like a tree trunk. He's he, it's round and it's firmly planted in the ground, and so an elephant's like a tree. I said, oh, you got to be crazy. He said, I walked into the elephant and right into its side, and it's like a wall. The elephant is like a, a, a vast wall that is, is standing in my way, and I can't get past it. And on and on, the elephant, the, the blind men just give all sorts of descriptions of the elephant. None of them can see the whole thing. And some say today that, well, that's the way religion is. You know, we, we're just like blind men seeking the truth, and we, we bumped into an elephant. We have our own little piece of the truth, but we don't have all truth. I want you to understand something, that that is a very narrow and bigoted thing to say. Because to make that kind of claim, the person making it has to at least claim that they see all the truth. They have the right perspective, and all these others are just bits and pieces. That's a very, very arrogant thing to say. Here's what Jesus says. I see the whole picture. And I don't tell you that because I'm arrogant. I don't tell you that because I just want you to think I'm such a hot shot. I say that to you because of who I am. I am the creator. You know when Moses wrote back there in Genesis 1:1, in the beginning was the uh, excuse me, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, that's what John was talking about when he said, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He said, I can tell you that Moses was telling the truth because I was there. I was doing what Moses was writing about, and Moses was pointing everything forward to me. 
She says, I have the whole picture. I know the whole story. I don't just have a part of the truth. I am the truth. And I'm the way. And I'm the life. And the way you get life is by believing me. Jesus, believing me. And being a part of that witness to who he is and to what he said. John is building this case for the very words of Jesus to show us that he's the one we ought to be believing in. Not just for initial salvation, but for our hope and our life every single day. Jesus said, if it's just me, then I'm not telling you the truth. But John told you, my miracles are from the Father and they show you. The Father has spoken in the Scriptures, and the Scriptures point to me, and Moses has pointed to me, and the Holy Spirit has come into the world, the Spirit of truth, and He doesn't point to Himself. He doesn't glorify Himself. He exalts me. And look around you. There are millions and millions of people who have encountered the witnesses to who I am. And have shown, have shown that I am who I said I was. I am who I say I am. Come and follow me. Jesus Christ, John is wanting us to see in all of his glory. He's the radiant son of the, of the Father. The radiant God incarnate. And he's who we worship. He's who we bow before. He's who we say, as we said in that song this morning, he's all I have. He's my everything. He's my life. Because he's given me life. Let's pray. And Father, we bow in your presence. We bow in your presence thanking you. For the clear testimony given over generations of the coming of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the word of Moses and the word of John the Baptist pointing to him. We thank you, Lord, for the miracles that you gave him to do. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have sent into the world to testify to the truth, to lead us into all truth, full truth, complete truth, truth that is Jesus Christ. Father, draw us ever closer to you this morning that we might glory 
in you alone. That we might not seek the glory of men, even as Jesus didn't seek the glory of men, but that we might seek your glory and know your glory in our own lives. Father, we bow before you. Father, we pray for men and women here this morning that don't know you. They've heard the testimony. They've heard the witnesses. And yet they're not willing to believe. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, the ultimate witness of truth, will move in their heart this morning and draw them to Jesus. Father, I pray for others that just need to re-understand, understand anew and all over again your call upon their lives. Father, do your work, even in this hour. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.